Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. So I'm chomping at the bit this week to give you this amazing conversation I had with Janet Lowndes, a psychologist from Melbourne from Mind Body Well. Not only is Janet a very experienced psychologist in all things anti-diet, helping the people of Melbourne with their weight worries and eating issues, all from a fierce non-diet perspective. Janet's also a yoga teacher and she just brings all of that yoga wisdom into her practice. So those who get to see Janet, who are lucky enough to be one of her clients, really make, you know, I guess recovery on a much deeper level than people who see psychologists or therapists who don't bring so much body work into the therapeutic experience. So Janet's also one of our untrapped guides. So in our program, Janet talks a lot about emotional stuff and emotional eating and how to manage all of that kind of stuff, but from a very compassionate and understanding embodied perspective. I just adore talking to Janet because she's so wise and she's so grounding in some way. But look, this week we got really quite fired up at the way yoga has been sort of co-opted by diet culture and you know sort of scraped of all of its meaning and cheapened to be just about appearance and poses so you know of course talking to janet is the obvious choice because she really understands what yoga is and one of the things i really got from this conversation was not, not just fired up like not just ranty and annoyed but i ended up learning a whole lot about yoga and about the basis of yoga and how connected it is to self compassion and how connected it is to psychology and really it's an approach to how you live with yourself so i believe in this conversation we really turned it around from a rant about what's going on in diet culture and how it's taken off with beautiful yoga into you know how yoga can really help deepen your understanding of what's going on if you're suffering with eating issues or weight issues or any kind of issues really so i hope you'll take a lot out of this conversation i know i did so without further ado here is me and the wonderful janet so janet thank you so much for joining me this week my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> well, there's no one else I could talk to about the particular <laughs> issue. So what is firing you up this week? Oh, man. How long have you got? Probably the top of my list, the top of my agenda of what's caused me to put on my yoga ranty pants this morning is that, you know, I'm kind of just overwhelmed by seeing this message in the yoga world that yoga is about having a beautiful body. And that in order to be a yogi, you have to look a certain way and that you use yoga for weight loss. Like that's one of the core purposes of yoga, which by the way, it isn't. <laughs> it's kind of like, I guess I'm annoyed about the hijacking of this beautiful world of yoga by the weight loss and diet industry. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I must yeah. confess, I might have kind of deliberately lit a spot fire underneath you by sending you this article that I came across 
Which... Yeah, and then you threw in some petrol and matches. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of what I do. But yeah, I did say it. So this was an article and the title was The 24 Best Yoga Poses to Lose Weight Quickly and Easily. Grown. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, and underneath this horrible title was one of these, you know, Instagram perfect shots of the thin ideal female in a, you know, strategically flattering body pose. And then underneath, I'll read you the first paragraph of the article because this is what really got my blood boiling and made me think of you. Thanks, go on. (laughs) The author says, if you're anything like me, your conversations around nothing works, I need to lose weight or I want to lose weight badly. I have tried myriad diets traped through beautiful, bountiful videos and buried my head under never-ending listicles. I don't know what a listicle is. Oh, sounds like something you probably should see a doctor for. (laughs) (laughs) But guess what? None of them worked and I'm glad that they didn't because I wouldn't have turned to yoga and in the process I wouldn't have made it a way of living. And, yes, I lost weight, tons of it. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then she goes on with 24 postures that supposedly, uh, first one kind of got me going enough where she says yoga to lose fat from your face, whatever that's about. <laughs> yeah. Look, is there an actual yoga pose that is designed to help you lose fat from your face? Well, that's a really good point about what are the yoga poses for. So, you know, if you go back into the ancient teachings of yoga, there is nowhere really in any of the traditional teachings that talks about yoga for weight loss. There's no chapter in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras that talk about yoga for weight loss or in the Hatha Yoga Pratapika. It doesn't exist. And there is no such thing as a posture or a practice that the purpose of that practice is weight loss. The purpose of all of the physical practices of yoga are to help us learn how to live in good company with the mind and body reunified because they actually are part of this greater being that we are. So the mind and the body can work together so we can learn to live more peacefully. They're not ways to actually look better in a bikini. They're they're kind of ways to learn how to live in peace and harmony in relationship with ourselves. That's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that's exactly the thing. I think there's so much beauty and richness and depth in the yoga teachings that, yes, it, it really does kind of get me really annoyed when I see people sort of limiting it or reducing the wisdom of yoga to being another way to be obsessed about our appearance. Yeah. Well, just just the idea of using a yoga pose to reduce body fat is against all of that philosophy which you were just talking about, which is about living peacefully in your body. Yeah. That encouragement to use a yoga pose to reduce body fat is putting you at war with your body and appearance focus. Absolutely. And it's very objectifying. It's focusing on this thing about body image. And whereas yoga is not about your body image, it's about your sense of embodiment and your interception. So like how you live in a felt sense way, how it feels to live in your body. So there's lots of stuff in yoga that can really help you feel more at home and more comfortable and strong and have more of a sense of vitality in your body. That's from like from the inside out, not from the outside in. Because mm, mm. as a, you know, you're a non-diet psychologist and you yeah. use yoga as a way to help people make peace with this. Yeah. 
kind of stuff, right? So it must be, that's why it's even more irritating, isn't it, to see something that we use to help people make peace mm. being kind of encouraged as a way to keep the fight going. Totally. And when it, it's kind of, you know, sometimes I feel like the, this dieting world has snuck into yoga and it's just messing it up. You know, it's like putting a layer of confusion and wrong message in yoga. And there's so many things that have contributed to that, you know, the rise of the yoga selfie and this idea that you can tell by looking at someone whether they're a yogi or not. And, mm. you know, I had the classic comment from a client of mine a little while ago that we were talking about yoga and she said, I'd love to go to yoga classes, but I want to lose weight first. She felt like she didn't look good enough to go to yoga mm. and she's not alone in that I hear this all the time and you know I said to her you don't have to look a certain way yoga is not about how you look and she said well that's not what Instagram says oh wow fantastic point though right because yoga accounts on Instagram are very appearance focused Absolutely. Unless you do some really good culling and get rid of a whole lot of the bad messages out there in terms of this objectification of the body through yoga and instead try and have more diverse images of yogis in your social media. But yeah, she's right. Like if you just look at the general images, we see pictures of supermodels and gymnasts doing asana practice and, you know, yoga the tricky thing that really about being yogic is that yoga is very hard to photograph. Ah, yeah. It doesn't translate well to an image. No. So what people are doing is they're taking photos of what one of my teachers, Donna Farhu, says it's like asana calisthenics. So it's really just people using the postures or the asanas to make shapes with their body that they think look nice. But really yoga means union and we're in a state of yoga when we are bringing back together these parts of ourselves that were never meant to be separate. So the mind and the body, for example, mm. instead so, of having them fighting with each other, having them working together. Okay, so what you're saying is yoga actually means union between mind yeah. and body. Is that right? Well, it can mean, the word actually in Sanskrit means to yoke or bring together, but it's sort of about reunifying things that we're never separate. So it can be the mind and the body. For some people, they think of it more as the, the individual self and consciousness or some big picture spiritual kind of view of, of themselves. But really, it just means if we think of it on a, a very simple level, our mind and our body are not separate things, but we live in a way as if they are like we hmm. you know we fight against our bodies or we try and ignore what our bodies tell us or even at, at its worst example we have this hatred for the body and we see it as an enemy to be fought against mm -hmm. well that's that's what diet culture is encouraging all the time totally it's that objectification of this problem thing here that carries my brain around and how can i fix it. Whereas yoga is really all about saying, well, these things are not separate. We're one being that has a mind and a body and, you know, we have a spirit, we have all kinds of different things, but they're not separate. Mm, mm. And do you find, because when you talk to clients, because you specialize in eating issues and people who are kind of suffering from all of this dissatisfaction that diet culture gives us, what kind yeah. of changes do you see in clients who along the way with you really learn about what yoga is? Well, you know, it sort of differs for me from client to client how I use yoga in psychotherapy. It probably at its, it depends a little bit on how receptive people are as well. So for some people, it's more that it's just there in my 
philosophy of how I talk to people about their minds and their bodies. And for other people, there might be particular practices that I recommend for them, or I might even, you know, help suggest particular yoga studios or teachers that I know are doing a great job of this real, what I call yoga yoga, as opposed to other forms of people using the word yoga, but not very yogically. Mm. So, <laughs> so the, I think that should be a new brand, by the way, yoga yoga, you know, it's like yeah. people who really are teaching these yoga in a yogic way. Okay. Yeah. 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 So we need an almost differentiation of like yoga yoga or yeah. what it's genuinely supposed to be about and kind of co-opted yoga or diet culture yoga. Yeah. Or just in some ways, I think there are some practices out there that really shouldn't be called yoga. Because yoga is about the eight limbs and about a whole, we can talk more about that, but it's about a whole broad approach to being a human being. It's not just about doing postures or mm. it's not about a set of exercises as such. Yeah. So it's part what, of it, but it's only a small part of it. Yeah. What um, do you think needs to go or not be called yoga? Well, it, yeah, I guess I have to be a little bit careful because I'm not, you know, the yoga police, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that really what I hope can happen in the next few years. Because I guess in the last probably 10 years, we've seen this huge surge of popularity of yoga in the West and in Australia. Mm. In, well, in all Western countries, really. And, and interestingly, that was something that Sri Aurobindo, who was a teacher in India in the early 19-something, he talked about, he said that there would be a period of time where India would go through a cultural revolution and it would be focused on money and finance. And in that time, it would be up to the Western countries to be the caretakers of yoga and that we would benefit from yoga and then we would also give it back to India as well. So, which is very interesting. It's kind of what's happening now. You know, everyone, yoga's big business in the West. And I think that what... I hope happens is that the more we can educate the yoga community about what yoga really is, you know, the people out there going to yoga classes and things, the more people can understand the depth and breadth of yoga, the more they can still continue to have their physical practice, but to see that there's a whole lot more out there than just stretching. Yeah, it's not just the physical poses. It's like that's the tip of the iceberg. Yep. Absolutely. And it's the entry point, you know, it's the yeah. way in for most people. Yeah. yeah, I was just about to say that. It's, it is like not, a, not an awful thing that, no. that, that this upsurge in interest in this has happened. And I've definitely noticed, you know, being a psychologist for 20 years, yeah. that people are more open nowadays to meditation and yoga, which I'm grateful for because it is so helpful in therapy mm. and just in yeah. life. But yeah. yeah, it's making sure we don't stagnate or suck it dry and yeah. lose the meaning along the way. Absolutely. And it's, it's making sure that we don't, yeah, just perpetuate the idea that there is such a thing, for example, as a yoga body. Like, <laughs> it's like the old saying about how do you get a beach body? You take your body to the beach. You know, I'd say the same, same with yoga. How do you get a yoga body? You get your body and you do yoga. Right? <laughs> It's, yeah. it's not about a, a look. It's not, yeah, you can't see it from the outside. It's where the poison of diet culture is going to infect something as wonderful as yoga. And we need to push back and say just absolutely not to this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully there are some amazing teachers and they're like the integrity of yoga is strong. And one of 
the things that I'm really supportive of from the yoga world in Australia is how do we keep really high standards in the training of yoga teachers, for example, yeah. so that people are really out there teaching yoga in a really authentic way that focuses on the whole human being. Mm-hmm. Do you have specific teachers that you want to mention or areas that you feel are safe or really kind of upholding that? Like I'd love to in a way, but the hard thing about that is as soon as I start listing people, I know I'll miss some people I really wish I had listed. (laughs) How about we say, you know what, we'll create a list and we'll stick it in the show notes and we'll keep adding to it. (laughs) Yeah, great, great. That's fantastic. Because, you know, there are people out there, well, we can mention one of the people that you have interviewed already, the wonderful Sarah Harry, you know. Sarah, she's a revolutionary in the yoga world and I admire and respect her and her work in fat yoga and and really just making a very clear statement is that that yoga is for all bodies all bodies yeah absolutely yeah everybody all bodies all ages all levels of stretchiness and you know or non-stretchiness or it's really you know all body sizes it's so important i think that message that yoga is for everybody and when i trained in india and being in ashrams in india it's one of my favorite things to see you be in yoga practice in india and there's the whole lifespan in these classes and there's women wearing saris there's young men old men there's little girls there's like people of all sorts of abilities all in there together Mm. doing what's appropriate for them and listening to their bodies and doing what's right for them. It's a beautiful thing. And they're not all wearing Lululemon yoga pants? <laughs> there is not a, <laughs> there's not a, a symbol of any particular brand in sight. <laughs> <laughs> and probably very little lycra. And in fact, I remember when I first went to the ashram, I studied that in, in India. People didn't even have yoga mats. I was blown away. Yeah, yeah. What are they doing? (laughs) (laughs) Really, you know, the idea there is that yoga is a part of you all day, every day. It's not just something that you roll out your, you know, one metre by two metre rubber surface and you have to have a particular outfit or costume on. It's actually that yoga becomes a part of how you live your life, not Mm. just what you do in these times of practice. Yeah, that's probably a good point to start talking about you were calling talking about the eight limbs of yoga and yeah you could expand on what you mean because we talked about how it's not just about poses so what is it all yeah. about well you know the eight limbs of yoga is one of the central aspects of the teachings of the yoga sutras of patanjali which is the yoga sutras of patanjali are really where a lot of the kind of core psychology or the deeper wisdom of yoga is kind of written down so there's in there interestingly when i first discovered the yoga sutras of of patanjali that's where i realized that yoga is actually first and foremost it's a psychology it's about how we relate to our mind how we relate to our thoughts how we relate to our bodies how we relate to our behaviors to each other Mm -hmm. you know all of these things so the the eight limbs of, of yoga in the sutras talk about these kind of different, almost like an octopus, right, with these eight limbs. And asana or the physical postures are only one of those limbs. Right. The other, the first two limbs are the yama and niyama, and they're really about some of the kind of ethics of yoga. Like, well, firstly, it starts with ahimsa, and which 
kind of loosely translates to nonviolence and compassion. And, you know, that's something that's really entered the world of psychology. Lots of people are talking about compassion-focused therapy now. Yeah, I'm a big fan of self-compassion and its power to transform people's relationships with themselves and the world. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, me too. And, you know, this whole language of self-compassion comes straight from the wisdom traditions of yoga and and Buddhism, really. It's right in there as a core concept. Yeah, that's where psychology kind of operationalised the term self-compassion from. Absolutely. From those that Buddhists were really quite well people from a psychological perspective. Yeah, and same in terms of yoga. So it's one of the key concepts of both the yoga tradition and the Buddhist teachings as well that if we don't start with this attitude of kindness and it needs a lot of people I know, a lot of people I see in therapy actually are incredibly kind, incredibly compassionate to everybody else and are so mean to themselves. Yes, yes, yes. So I think that's one of the important things to recognise too, that that's if people are going off to yoga classes or doing yoga practices with a mindset of self hatred or this kind of aggression towards themselves then it's actually not yogic well yeah and I think it's really difficult when you notice that Mm. happening because I also think it's very human especially in western culture to to undertake any practice whether that's therapy or yoga or self-compassion training to notice when you're sort of starting out that you really are always listening to that voice of self-hatred yeah it saddens me even just reflecting on that and hearing it you know it's like we if we're not careful we can be using some of the language of yoga to perpetuate that Mm. like people often talk about yoga as transformation and the concept of transformation is actually there in the yoga sutras but when you really look more deeply at the sutras it's not about a transformation that says we should try and become somebody else it's Mm. it's much more about helping us become more of who we already are oh yeah and that's such a core message, I think. It's not about trying to be someone different. It's about recognising that there's a beautiful soul inside that sometimes I cover up with a whole bunch of things in my life and how can I remove those obstacles mm. to be more authentically me. Yeah, I love that idea of not transforming into being some kind of different mm-hmm. idea but transforming to be more authentically you. Yeah. And a lot of the yoga teachings, that's exactly what they're about. They're about removing the obstacles that get in the way of us being our true self. Mm. So that's a really different way of looking at, at yoga, I think. It's not about going to yoga to try and become somebody different. It's about recognizing that I'm already, well, it kind of brings up the language of perfection. Mm. I was very confused when I started studying yoga. I was a psychologist first. I started studying yoga. As a psychologist, I know that perfectionism is a major problem for people in terms of contributing to mental health challenges. Mm. And yet I went to yoga and I was reading all this stuff about perfection. I was really confused. And what I understand now is that in a, a spiritual sense, perfection is about recognizing that we are already complete we're already perfect. We just sometimes let things get in the way of our own perfection. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in a scientific sense, perfect means without flaw. Right. So it actually means like a perfect circle means it's an absolute circle with no little bump in it. Yeah. Whereas human beings, you know, we are lumpy, bumpy, crooked, lopsided, wonky creatures, right? Yeah. So we're not 
perfect in a scientific sense, but the yoga teachings would say we are already perfect because that's our wholeness, that's our completion. Oh, that's so lovely. That's a beautiful nice. way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's totally different than when sometimes people talk about this idea of transformation in yoga, about come and become someone different. That's not it. That's totally not it. It's we practice yoga as a way to be more authentically at home in ourselves. Yeah, connected to you with all the flaws and humanity and yep. individuality. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And to accept that all of that is part of our humanness. Mm. Gosh, the more you talk and the more I think about the woman whose article I read to you at the beginning of our conversation, the more you see how far she is from understanding what yoga is all about. Yeah. And look, it saddens me. You know, I think some, unfortunately, there are some people who are kind of selling out a little bit in the yoga world and now, of course, the, the weight loss industry, there's money in the yeah. weight loss industry. There is, you know, there's interest and attention. But on the flip side, I see there's so much good in the world of yoga of people who are just sticking to the authentic teachings of yoga, you know, who are really being yogic in their approach to yoga. Yeah, yeah, it's differentiating, isn't it? People who are safe and get it from yeah. people who are kind of just making it a commodity and using it to further your sense of inadequacy and you yeah. know, vulnerability to buying their product. Yep. And that's one thing that often when people ask me, well, how do I know one yoga studio from another or yoga teacher from another? And unfortunately it's hard to tell just from the outside, but I would say to people that if they go off to a yoga class or a teacher and their experience in that practice is that they feel not good enough or they feel that they're supposed to be different than they are or, or that they feel that there's some kind of outcome that they're trying to strive for, mm. then it's probably a good idea to go somewhere else. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not what yoga is all about. Yeah. I always say to my clients, it's not supposed to be competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. If you're, because well, my private practice in Sydney is in Balmain, which is kind of, I guess, superficial yoga central, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. There's there's many right. studios around that, you know, profess to follow this philosophy of yoga, but literally everybody's in the designer gear and, you know, quite <laughs> a few classes are squeezed in between other classes all aimed at weight loss and it's just not safe. Yeah. Well, that's a really good point about not safe. There's been, you know, a lot of writings in the yoga world in the last 10 years about the increase in injuries in, that are happening in yoga. And really, you know, I would say if we're practicing yoga yogically and really listening to our bodies and paying attention mindfully to what's happening in the moment, it's quite difficult to injure yourself in yoga if you're doing that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Because your body will tell you, your body will give you a warning to say, ah, too far, too hard, too strong, whatever. That the problem is though, that if you're doing a practice that's either so fast or so hard or so outwardly focused on appearance that you're not listening to the internal experience of your body, then it's much more easy to cause yourself harm actually. Yeah. I've got, that's so interesting, isn't it? An increase in injuries caused by all of this focus on sort yeah. of <laughs> missing the point about what it is. Yeah. And I would say it's not that people are getting more injuries from yoga. It's they're getting injuries from doing postures in a non-yogic way. Yeah. That's well said. That's well yeah, said. It's a, it's a different thing. I didn't finish before talking about that eight limbs. Sorry. No, 
We got to number one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, if people are interested, you can. there's a lot of information online about the eight limbs of yoga, so people could read up about that. But So there's the yama, yamas and there's five yamas, and the yamas really talk about our relationships to ourselves and the world around us. And the niyamas are about kind of more of the internal relationship of how we live our lives. So they're kind of how we take care of ourselves and how we take care of our attitudes and behaviours to people in the world around us, really. Yeah, yeah. So our relationship with us and our relationship with others and the world. Yeah. They're kind of like the, the foundations of yoga, really. And then the asana or the physical postures come from there. And the postures were designed by the ancient yogis to help us be able to sit comfortably and quietly in our bodies in preparation for meditation. Oh, thank you for telling me that. I've always wondered what the connection was, how the yeah. yoga poses relate to this philosophy. Yeah. Well, they really are about helping us be able to be, yeah, to sit quietly and comfortably in our own skin. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of, to quote the great Michael Lunig, you know, it's as simple and as difficult as that. It's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it sounds kind of simple. Oh, okay. It's just about being able to uh, sit comfortably in our own skin. But that's actually quite difficult in our kind of world. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sitting comfortably in our own skin, mm -hmm. embodiment is, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it's so difficult. Yeah. Because I don't know if I've ever met a client or a human, definitely a human female mm -hmm. who makes it to adulthood without being disembodied. Totally. And we're trained not to do this. We're trained to ignore the body, fight against the body, and the diet industry continues and perpetuates that. So really at the core of yoga, it's about coming back to be more at home in, in ourselves so that then we can, then the next, all of the rest of the next layers of these eight limbs are about moving more deeply into an internal experience. So the next one is pranayama, which is where we're working with conscious breath. And also these aren't separate limbs. So, for example, we don't do the postures and then work with the breath. We do it at the same time. Yeah, like so, the octopus, everything's connected. Exactly. Yeah, they're not steps like one at a time. They are the octopus. Yeah, it's all integrated. And then the other four limbs are about really layers of the meditative experience. So they go from prachahara, which means noticing paying attention to the awareness of the senses sometimes people might be familiar with that with like mindfulness practices that focus on the senses what do you hear what do you smell what do you taste what do you feel those kinds of things that's one of my favorite ones coming into the moment and being with the senses yeah and so important that if people are in a yoga class where there's loads of mirrors the practice is really hard it's all about how your body looks in the pose then it's doing the opposite of that. It's not internalizing their senses. It's taking your focus outward to look in the mirror, look at the teacher, look at the person beside you. Yeah, to get into surveillance mode externally. Yeah. 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 So instead, you know, yoga says, turn the focus of your attention inward and pay attention to the felt sense of your experience. Yeah. And then the last three layers are about sort of deepening states of meditation from kind of focused attention, like one pointed focus, to then deepening our ability to just be with whatever it is that we were focusing on. And then the, the eighth limb is about samadhi, which is about experiencing freedom and bliss at the moment. 
Oh. Just sitting, sitting back and blissing out, right? <laughs> and sometimes it's talked about as kind of resting in your true nature. So I think of it as like setting up a hammock somewhere inside your heart and laying back in the hammock and just chilling out in the sunshine. Really. Oh, that's so beautiful. Setting up a hammock inside your heart. And just yeah, that's, that's kind of what it represents to me. Maybe it's for other people that might be floating on a raft or something. I don't know. But, you know, it's that feeling of just absolutely settling back to be comfortable and at home within myself, like really resting in my true nature is one of the, the yoga kind of sayings for this. Mm, I absolutely love that state because I do quite a lot of self-compassion practice and meditations about self-compassion and I don't always feel it mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. always get it but when it happens it is it's bliss is a good word yeah. for it yeah absolutely and you know when you think of even just that it's the total opposite to this idea of kind of I'll do that but I'll do that I'll be happy when you know I'll be happy when I'm thinner or I'll be happy when I'm I'm different when my life is different in some way whereas this is about helping to find a place of inner quiet and calm even with whatever else is going on in my life. Yeah, with your body exactly the way it is today, right now, not waiting another second. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. absolutely. What a beautiful description of what it is. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because people describe yoga in lots of different ways. And I think that though, when you really look at the teachings of yoga, it's much, you know, it's quite simple, this idea of just learning how to be at home in ourselves. You know, it's how bizarre that we have to work so hard to do that. But I know how weird that we have to kind of literally relearn how to come home. Uh-huh. And yeah, relearn is a good way to put it. Cause you look at, look at children, you know, young children who haven't yet been taught how to not do that that's exactly what they do they can just lay down in the grass and watch a ladybug for an hour Mm -hmm. totally you know yeah that's meditation right there you know yeah being very present very in the moment and very in their bodies yeah it is terribly sad that we lose that ability because of diet culture and for me practices like yoga or self-compassion which is complementary to it can be the, the pathway back in yeah, it's, beautiful. it's really hard I think to come back into your body just through like talk therapy like cognitive behavior therapy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you find that as a psychologist that when you added the practice of yoga or stuff like this that's more to do with the body that it changed things with your clients completely and so it's changed things for me as a woman as a human being as well that I've you know now have a way to connect back in with myself on a whole mind body level every day or in every moment and I think it's really important in this area I was at a a conference last week with a whole bunch of very clever scientific people talking about body image yeah and have this real problem with the concept of body image I think there's a lot of people spending a lot of time and money researching this question of how we help people have a more healthy body image. I say this all the time. I think the problem with body image is the concept of body image. It's the I, idea. Yeah. <laughs> You're missing Focusing. something right there. Yeah. yeah, totally missing something because what happens? What are we supposed to do? Just all feel like take all our clothes off and look at ourselves naked in the mirror and say, I love how I look, you know, oh, yeah. really how boring. But Let's get over this whole appearance thing. Yeah, Absolutely. and let's actually identify the preoccupation with appearance as, the, like you said, the problem with body image is body image. 
Exactly. And the alternative to that, yeah, the alternative to body image is about not what I think I look like, because the word image means, you know, a visual representation of something Mm. from the outside, Mm. whereas actually embodiment or interception is this idea of feeling the experience of living in the body Mm. from the inside out so Mm. it's much more interested in how it is for me living in my body it's more interested in that than it is in thinking constantly about what I might look like oh completely what you were saying before about like this has transformed not just work with clients but you with you I had the same experience, you know, when you're a CBT trained psychologist mm. and okay mm. with all things body image, it doesn't really make a difference. <laughs> Absolutely not. Because you know what? The body is constantly changing. So that's the problem too. Like if you work on trying to like how you look, which, you know, I don't know many people who sit mm. back and totally feel like, uh, well, even if you do, it seems a little egotistical, actually. Yeah, it's just a so, bit surfacy, isn't it? It's like saying, do I like how my children look? Like, it really doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. Well, that's a good point. Do we choose to love other people because of that? You know, I think, do we? No. It seems so judgmental and yucky. We wouldn't think of other people that we love in that same way. So instead it's really yeah less of that external focus and much more of a lived experience and so therefore if if the world of yoga is focusing on what people look like mm. then again it's missing the whole point it's like you can't actually see yoga no you can't and, and so that's an interesting question isn't it because here we are literally living in the world of instagram yeah how can we communicate what yoga really is through mediums like that it's quite difficult isn't it and and i think it's a big part of why we're in a a bit of a mess at the moment because there's so much visualization of advertising world is all very visual and and when i run some training with a colleague michael demanicoro in sydney we run yoga psychology training for both yoga teachers and for mental health professionals and when we were putting the training flyers out we were saying well what are we going to use for an image right There's no image of yoga psychology. There's no picture of it. So one of the pictures I've used is just someone laying down in a field full of flowers. Yeah, because that's as close as you can get to the hammock in your heart. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thanks. I didn't even realise that, but you're right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. It's not... So sometimes, you know, I look at some of those pictures, some of those very showy pictures of people doing incredibly difficult postures. And I look at them and I think, you know, there's very little you can tell from that posture about whether that person is actually in a yogic state. You know, are they, are they breathing? Are they in a nice, quiet, peaceful state within themselves? Are they finding a place of calm within themselves? And if they're not, then they're not really in a yogic state. And, you know, I know there are, are many very well-known yoga teachers who have had those sort of amazing pictures of their postures who are now as they're getting older having hip replacements and knee (laughs) surgery all kinds of things that they've maybe pushed their bodies too hard Mm, yeah they've maybe lost focus by focusing on one limb in uh, particular and neglecting the other yeah (laughs) So, you know, when I think about yoga in this body positive world and in the kind of in haze and body acceptance, it's really so little about, well, it's not about anything you can see from the outside. It's about using the postures just to help you have a more mindful, embodied sense of yourself in the moment, Mm. finding peace with that, really. Yeah. 
And to let go of all of that expectation as well, that, that it will look a certain way. You were mentioning before we started recording, there is a word for grasping or attachment in yoga. So that, well, one of the words, one of the yamas is a parigraha and a parigraha means non-grasping. It's like not attaching to wanting, like I want it, I want it and not trying to hold on to things and not identifying our sense of self with things, objects, and that might even be appearance. Yeah, yeah. Which is, again, this article that we started talking about is the very opposite mm. that because she's so clearly saying she's grasping onto yoga to get a body. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The best thing I have to say about that is I think there are plenty of people who maybe start yoga with that idea, unfortunately, popular mm. message. They start yoga with that idea, but then it's actually through yoga, if they have the right kind of experience of yoga with a great teacher, it's through yoga that they learn that there actually is a different way you can relate to your body. Great. So even appearance-focused yoga might be a gateway drug to self-acceptance. <laughs> or just a gateway. <laughs> yeah, de definitely. You know, again, I'll mention Donna Fahi. I talked about her before. She has a saying that she says, pain is often the thing that brings people to yoga and joy is what keeps them coming back. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I think there are some people for whom they start yoga going to maybe some place where there's lots of mirrors and the temperature gauge is turned up and you know they have a really physical competitive experience of of yoga but through that experience they might start going hang on this is maybe there's something more here maybe yeah. i'm starting to experience something else and then they might explore the world of yoga more broadly because there is, there is such yeah. a lot more yeah it's much more underneath even if it is being co-opted at least it's from a really rich tradition unlike you know you're never going to have that kind of realization from a spin class so, yeah yeah right <laughs> so that's that's my optimistic side i guess i'm kind of hopeful that even if people are going to those classes that might be still very focused on the appearance stuff that maybe it might at least give them a taste that there's something more out there and I'm going to explore a little more deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Go deeper if you can. Yeah. And you know, if you're, I guess, you know, the other thing is don't give up. If you go to a yeah. few classes and they all that surface level body transformation stuff, keep going because there's heaps of great teachers out there, heaps of yeah. great traditions out there. So keep shopping and finding the one that fits you. Yeah. We are so spoiled for choice, realistically. We're blessed with some incredible, especially because of our close proximity to India, where yoga comes from. You know, we have so many great teachers here, a lot of people who've studied in the kind of really deep, rich traditions of yoga. There's some great yoga wisdom right here in Australia. We really are, yeah, really blessed. One thing I would say as a tip for people is to look for teachers who are registered with Yoga Australia. Mm -hmm. Yoga Australia is, is like the peak body for highly qualified yoga teachers in Australia. So you know they've done courses that actually include all the yoga philosophy and yoga psychology and meditation. Mm. Oh, that's a great tip. Yeah. So all of the limbs are included. It's not just a couple of weeks certification kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because there are some short courses out there that people, you know, you can go off and study a, well, even a couple of weeks, you can do a basic yoga teacher training course somewhere that, that you know, those people though won't be registered with Yoga Australia because they mm. need to have done sort of proper, well-recognized courses.
Mm, mm, great tip. Well, thank you so much for coming on and teaching me about yoga and <laughs> helping oh, me, pleasure. you know, hopeful about where we might be headed, hopefully, with this and the destruction of diet culture, co-opting mm. of yoga. Yeah, great. Thank you. And, you know, my, I think that, I guess as a final comment, that yoga is like an act of defiance against all of that, actually, you know, to say... I'm not going to participate in all that language out there that's telling me I have to hate my body and fight against it. I'm going to do the exact opposite. I'm, mm. Going, to, I'm going to set up that hammock and I'm going to lay down in it and you know, find a, a way to every day or a few times a week or however often I can keep returning back to that place in me to remind myself that it's there and that it's possible for me to be there anytime. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Active defiance. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Stubbornly refuse to leave your body and just be there. Yep, and to stubbornly refuse to be objectified and have this idea that, you know, who I am is about my external form. It's not. I'm much more than that. Mm, yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again, and I'm sure we'll talk again. Yeah, thanks, Lou, and thanks for all you're doing. You're a trailblazer out there. You're, a, you know, a light in the darkness, so thank you. Oh, as are you. Thanks, Janet. Pleasure. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. What a top chick, Janet Lowndes from Mind Body Well. If uh, you're lucky enough to live in Melbourne, look her up. She's definitely well worth a visit. So thank you for another week. I will be back next week with a big steaming heap of diet culture bullshit. If you're enjoying the podcast, I would ask again if it's okay with you to visit iTunes and give us a really nice rating and review so we can get this message out to more and more people who need to hear this all fired up message, this pushback against diet culture message. And of course, All Fired Up is brought to you by our lovely online program, untrapped.com.au. Check it out if you're looking for, you know, a meaningful and different way of living away from diet culture. I mean, I get that we all live in diet culture. We can't actually leave the planet. But when you learn all of the skills and strategies that we go through in Untrapped, we just feel you know, stronger and more equipped to deal with the crap that we're exposed to every day without it getting us down. And I'm really loving seeing the changes that are being made and the, the kind of increasing courage and bravery of everybody who's doing the Untrapped program at the moment. So check us out if you uh, want to come and join the community. So as I said, I will be back next week. And in the meantime, trust no one, think critically, push back against diet culture, untrap from the crap.